what will heaven be like for God? Will he finally be able to relax because his work for us is done? Welcome to The Good Word. I'm Paul Dibdahl, host and study guide author for this 13-week series on mission. And this is the 13th week, the, the final week that we'll be together. And I want to once more and finally thank my conversation partners, Dave Thomas and Brant Berglund, for their insight, um, their authenticity, uh, and for joining me in this conversation during this uh, past quarter. Um, leading question. The title of the lesson is The End of God's Mission. So does God's mission end? Like we're, we've made it to heaven and God can finally kick back and relax because the work is done. The saved are saved. The lost are lost. Vacation. I, 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 would, I would say that this aspect of God's work is done. <laughs> That's I was going to say almost those same words, that he has completed the work of the atonement, and yet the, the work of... I, does, do we not hear Jesus say, my father is working and I am working even on the Sabbath? They're holding the universe together by the power of their word, right? There, there's a sense in which God is always at work for us, always at work. But I, I do think that, um, you know, I often wonder if heaven at the present time is a happy place um, because of the problem of sin. Hmm. Um, I think it's happy in the sense that there's no evil there. But I think there's a preoccupation with the with the problem here. Um, I think there's sorrow there if they're watching yeah, what's happening yeah, here. Yeah, there's sorrow, there's anguish, there's struggle, there's what's the matter with these people? We try everything we can, they don't listen. <laughs> Frustration. There's the there's the the vision of evil that they look at. I mean. Yeah. Evil sometimes just breaks loose in this world, and it seems to it's like a conflagration. It takes on a life of its own. Um, so I think, Paul, in that sense, when that is done, that God is going to say, oh, I'm glad that's finished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it'll, it will at the same time um, set God's name right when we think about a great controversy story about how God has been defamed and um, lied about and his character misrepresented. And, and when those things are set straight, um, I think the, the main work will of, of all of this will, will have come to a close. Um, and yet, and yet I think in some ways then that starts a new mission. It's like, okay, well, those of you who have experiences, share your story. I, I think I think people will want to tell their testimony, and I think there are beings that God has created that will want to hear it. Hmm. I think Jesus will be the one with the biggest story, and we'll all want to hear that, hmm. maybe many times. So we, I asked about God's mission, but in a way you're also talking about that, that our mission, there, there will be a mission that remains for us. Uh, even in, in eternity and through eternity. Our mission has always been to join God in his. Hmm. And we'll, I don't think that's going to end. Hmm. I like that. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, we, we read that God wants all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Um, do you think it so, – so God desires this for, for all people. In the end, do you think that we'll be surprised at how many are saved, how, how <laughs> effective um, God's mission was? 
or will we be surprised at how few are saved? You know, my my opinion on this has changed over the years. I think I grew up, and this was not because of my parents' teaching. I just kind of absorbed it from the society I was living in that God is up in heaven trying to keep out as many people as he can keep out. Uh, sorry. Um, I mean, that's just kind of, because people talk about the judgment, you know, and mm-hmm. everyone is afraid of the judgment. God is, if you have even one sin, you're out. And it dawned on me, thankfully, a long time ago, that if God is a God of love, actually, and this text was a pivotal piece, that God is trying to devise ways to get everybody in whom he can. Mm-hmm. And so the judgment to me was no longer a fearful-sounding thing because it's it, just as much as it's a day of condemnation, it's a day of exoneration. I, I, I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised. Well, not everybody will be pleasantly surprised, but I think there'll be people in heaven who we are shocked to see. Mm. Mm. I think we have examples throughout the biblical stories and history that give us an indication that the numbers will be small, smaller at least than desired. So if we go back to the flood, how many were saved, right? Small remnant. If we go to Sodom and Gomorrah, how many were saved? Small remnant. We come to the story of the Babylonians who come out of captivity. It's, you know, not a lot. How many people left Egypt who went into the promised land, right? It's not a well, none except for Caleb and Joshua, right? And that's it. Um, how, mm. how many people um, find the narrow path, right? Jesus talks about a broad path that many find and a narrow path that few find. And so we get the idea that the more numerous are on the side of the don't make it. And that, that for me is a heartbreaking concept, right? I don't, I want to, I want to be a universalist. Can I say that? That I, I want to be, I want God to save everyone. Yeah, I fear I, I th- that I think we all want that, but that's not uh, you know the minute the Bible talks about some being lost, you understand that universalism doesn't hold. Right, right. I want to be that, but I don't think Scripture allows it. And so, in that sense, I think that we'll join God in His heartbrokenness when it says that God will wipe every tear from our eyes. I think we're going to have tears. I think the yeah. number of people who don't make it. And I like that phrase you said that God will be heartbroken because He's tried His best to redeem yeah. as many people, and many have refused yeah. to be a redemption. Yeah, exactly. But but I think that. Could could the when I look at read the you know I'm, I read Revelation when I see 144,000 and I look at that number and I know many people who have said oh that's that'll be a you know a literal number of people that are saved some some say that's the Jews during the tribulation others say that's the sole number of people that are alive when Jesus returns who are saved I don't believe so I believe that the next phrase and then I saw a great multitude that no one could count mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. standing on Mount Zion I think the 144,000 is a symbolic number that the great multitude is more descriptive of in a literal sense um, that's going to be a big number. A big group. Uh, we're not going to be able to just go, okay, there's 12 by 12 by 12. It's too big for that. I think we'll I also hope. be surprised about people who are not in heaven, people we thought would be there, but they're not. And maybe vice versa. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned Revelation, uh, Brant, and a couple, a couple of really significant passages for, for Adventists. Well, oh, the whole book is significant. But Revelation 14, the three angels' messages, um, and, and the message is summarized as the everlasting gospel is being proclaimed. Um, what what is the the message? <laughs> this is I've given you a tall task here, especially for Brant, who's an expert in the book. But if you were to just s- summarize for us, w- what's the essence of this this final message, which is is given? So 
within the book of Revelation, if you were to ask what the gospel is, obviously we've talked about that already, but if we were to ask within the book of Revelation, the everlasting gospel appears to be the message of the character of God, of who he is, as all through the the book, especially the second half, the question is, is God just, is he right, and is he good? Is he When he judges evil, is he still good and right? And the answer seems to be, yeah, you can trust him. He's still worth trusting. He's still good. He's still worth believing, right? That seems to be the everlasting good news that has been at issue throughout the whole controversy. And so if we let Revelation tell its story, the good news appears that way. And it doesn't deny what Paul and the, other, and the Gospels have said about the gospel, the good news about Jesus, but it's that the character of God is seen, yes, in the person of Jesus Christ and what he's doing in the plan of salvation to save people and in bringing an end to sin, in judging evil and wickedness, not because he wants to, but because he has to bring an end. Dave, I don't know if there was anything you wanted to add. No, no, I I, I don't think, but but there's, there's three parts of that message though, Brad. There are, yeah. Well, fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, right? And worship him who made the he- heavens, the earth, the sea, the fountains, water. And then we have the other messages that accompany it as well, right? Mm. The second and third angels in chapter 14. I want to I want to conclude our time this quarter um, by quick reflection on Revelation chapter 21, especially the first uh, four verses. Mm-hmm. You have this the description of the renewal of all things, new heaven and a new earth. Um, and the description, the description in... Is in the negative, at least a part of it. What won't be there, right? Right. Um, just we don't have much time, but just I'd like for you to blurt out a couple of things that you are glad will not be in the kingdom. Paul, you preached a sermon about this years ago that to me was a spectacular sermon about the things that was when your sister was dying. Mm. You talk about, but to get to your question. I think the absence of a proclivity toward evil will be a wonderful absence. We right now are fascinated by evil as human beings, by sin. It looks fascinating to us. In heaven, that won't be there anymore. It's one of the things that catches me by surprise every time I read it, and there will be no longer be any sea. And I know people who love going to the ocean. They say, I can't stand the idea of a new world without the ocean. It's like... But let's remember that the sea has a context in Revelation, right? The sea is the place out of which these beasts come that are antithetical to God, that are the worst enemies of God's people that bring persecution. The sea and its chaos, there's going to be peace. And no more sea suggests peace and comfort and security and safety. And we don't have to make a bunch of, I don't know, like gun control laws, you know, to control the people who are already fine and just to try and get at a few wicked people, wickedness isn't going to be there. I and can't wait. Death will no longer be there. Sickness will not be there. Mourning and pain. Yeah, and, and yeah. I think the deformities that many people live with will be gone. Yeah. My son, who is colorblind, will see green and red for the first time, and it just, I can't, I want to, I want to be there. I want to see what he sees when he sees a green tree really green, not gray and brown. Ah. So in the last minute and a half we have left, what are you most looking forward to when this this stage of God's mission is complete and we're together in the kingdom? Sharing a meal hmm. with everybody who made it. Sharing a meal. <clears throat> the biggest experiences that I've had in my life on this planet 
the most meaningful ones have almost always ended with a meal together, hmm. right? Camp, a week of camp, um, treks in the mountains that we made it through and sat down to a meal together. There's something about that that's so bonding. And I, Jesus, I think, gives us an idea that that's, that there'll be a supper. I think I'm looking hmm. forward to peace and safety. No, no more worry about the brokenness of life or the... Yeah. The, um, the breaking out of evil that's all gone and being with those whom I love yeah it also says outside the city are all liars <laughs> can you imagine a place where honesty mm. true honesty and I can I can hear it and you can say it and we're still good <laughs> can you imagine I'd, I'd love it mm. Thank you. Thank you both. What a, what a day it will be. I don't think we talk about heaven often enough. Hmm. God's mission to bring restoration will one day be complete. And this is good, good news. Hmm. So, thank you, Brant and Dave. Thank you also to Rick Basket and Naomi Cueto, our programming engineers. Thank you for listening in. Um, God bless you all. For the Good Word, this is Paul Dibdahl. You've been listening to Good Word, a production of the School of Theology at Walla Walla University and KGTS-FM. To order a copy of today's broadcast, you can call 509-527-2194. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next week at this time with Good Word.